This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Booker, shake and bake, jumper, it's good! Devin Booker's got 27, and it's back up to 11. And they're targeting Bryn Forbes. To me, you don't want to switch that one and give them what they want. These Joes are helping you bet like a pro. It's BetQL Daily from BetQL. Joe's hanging out. It's Joe O and Joe G on the BetQL Network. We're here weekdays 9 a.m. to noon on Twitter at BetQL Daily at BetQL Daily. We need to get some UFC information so we could add some uh, winning bets coming up on Saturday. A big fight card, but also hit on the NBA game two of the finals. Uh, this evening, we bring on Reed Wallach at Reed Wallach on Twitter. Find his work, betql.co, content producer, sports betting stuff, all over there on uh, the BetQL site, betql.co. Hey, Reed, uh, we were just talking about it on the show. We noticed yesterday the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, uh, I think it's a personal attack. He's going after your nets. He's saying, you know what? Forget the dynasties. Our league needs some parity like we're seeing on display right now. Listen, then, first of all, Joe and Joe, good morning. Um, listen, Adam Silver, you got what you wanted. You got a condensed season. You got the star teams getting banged up. And now we got Phoenix up 1-0 in the finals with no nets. So I hope he's happy that I'm upset. Yes, I'm, I feel attacked. I feel attacked. <laughs> it, it sounds like you're over the nets getting knocked out two rounds ago. That's, that's what it sounds like to read me, Reed. <laughs> we're, we're, we're battling through it, you know. I, we got a big UFC fight card. I'm diving into my work, college football, NFL previews on the way. So I'm just completely moving on to football season until, you know, next basketball season comes around. Well, before we completely move on, uh, how you betting game two tonight? Yeah, I like the over, actually. Just based on how Phoenix got their offense going, how the pace – I mean, the pace was played. There was 101 possessions, which is way above um, – what Milwaukee's been playing in the finals. I think things going to continue to dictate the pace. So the total only went up, a, I think, half point right now. I see 220 on the board. So I'm mm-hmm. playing the over. And in terms of the series at large, Milwaukee should feel somewhat confident after that result. I know they lost by 13, but it was Giannis's first game back off the bum knee. I think that there is some reason for optimism in Milwaukee's case. Reed, are you surprised the line is, isn't that much different for game two, even with the knowledge that Giannis is going to play? I mean, really, I thought it moved more with Giannis, and we know he's back, and we saw him play, and he looked pretty good. Are you surprised the line is where it is for this game? Yeah, I, I am a little confused. Not confused. I think that it should have maybe dropped half a point, but I guess Phoenix looks so good. Chris Paul looks so dominant. They don't want to welcome in more Phoenix money. So I think that they're just taking a neutral stance here, keep it as is. And that's why I'm staying away from the spread altogether. I'm just looking at this over because I think that Phoenix is going to get what they want, but I think you can see a bounce-back game from someone like Drew Holiday, who shot 4-14 of 14 in Game 1. And you know Middleton played great, and I think Giannis 
he looked pretty much close to 100%. So I think you're going to see a higher scoring game, both teams breaking 110, maybe like a 115-110 final, something around there. Yeah, I, I'm with you in everything you said there. It all makes a lot of sense, but I do think the Bucks will cover. But uh, let's talk about coming uh, up Saturday. Got to talk to John Anik on the show yesterday, uh, getting us set with this big card. Of course, we'll talk McGregor, uh, but where do you start? Where are your favorite bets for Saturday? Yeah, I mean, so my I always take a holistic view. I look at every fight, of course, and I always try to – make a case for the underdog. I always try to find the plus money value and try to say, is this fighter being undervalued? Is there a path to victory that is showing that is more likely than the odds are suggesting? And I don't see as many live underdogs on this card. I found myself really siding with a few of the favorites, which I typically try to avoid, but two favorites in particular really stuck out to me in Michael Pereira. He's minus 165 right now against Nico Price. And then the other one was Steven Thompson in the co-main. So I'll go back to Pereira. Nico Price is a highlight-driven fighter. He's always hunting for that flashy knockout. But against a guy like Michael Pereira, who has stirred, he's able to get this fight to the ground. He has an unbelievable chin. He's only been knocked out once in his career. He does have 11 losses, a very long UFC career, but only one knockout loss. I think he's going to be able to take control of this fight and either grab a finish or win this fight by decision. So Pereira was the first guy that really caught my eye at minus 160. And then Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in the co-main against Gilbert Burns. Again, this is just a nightmare matchup for Burns. Thompson has a four-inch reach advantage. Burns is going to try and grapple this fight. He's going to try and get this to the ground. But Thompson is a jiu-jitsu maven. He's going to be able to keep this at range and I think piece up Gilbert Burns. And Thompson's 38. He's trying to make one last run at the welterweight belt. So I like him. He's also in that minus 160 range. So, again, I don't like laying the chalk like that, so I'm probably going to look to parlay those two for a plus money uh, payout. Reed, how would you handicap McGregor Poirier? It is the main event. It's what everyone's going to be watching on Saturday night. When, when you looked at this one, uh, what did you see? So, it, I had Poirier in the second fight because I saw a ton of value on him against the McGregor coming off a long, basically over a year layoff. And now this fight, McGregor moved to an underdog earlier this week, and that was baffling to me. I think Connor is the side in this fight. I think that he has much more to lose than Poirier because if Connor loses his career, I mean, you got to think he might just hang him up. What do you do with him? He's still a big star, but that's two fights in a row. I mean, UFC, you're only as hot as your winning streak. You know, so to me, Connor is the right side at anything under minus 120. I sprinkled some Connor by knockout first round and Connor by knockout in the second round because Poirier admitted after the fight that Connor rung his bell in the first round. If he attacked, he could have knocked him out. I think you see a motivated McGregor, and I think McGregor finished this fight pretty quickly. This is BetQL Daily, Joe O and Joe G. We're with Reed Wallach from BetQL, getting you set for UFC 264 uh, this weekend. And and you mentioned a couple of props, Connor by knockout, first round, second round. That's how you can uh, really make some money here. Any other props you like on any uh, of the other fights? Yeah, it's actually the first fight of the night. Jennifer Maya is facing Jessica I, and I like Maya in this fight. It's a bad matchup for I, who's on two fights skid and has struggled with grapplers. And Maya is an ace submission artist. So I see Maya plus 500 to win by submission. And look, with UFC, you got to be comfortable taking some long shots here. you got to throw some darts because a few of them are going to pay out. And the prop market is so 
volatile. And Maya's path to victory lies in either a decision victory where she controls from the ground or submission where she's on top of I and she wraps one up. So I'll take my chance at a plus 500 prop in the first fight of the night and hopefully get off to a hot start. Reed, uh, we had John Anik on yesterday. He mentioned uh, when he's trying to handicap these fights and, and look at who might win, he, he thinks about the, the uh, fighters with more stamina, cardiovascular, guys that could stay and, and really kind of hold it throughout a fight. What, what are you looking at? You mentioned a, a couple minutes ago some are coming off some tough fights and didn't do well the last couple of times. Is it trends? Is it what's been going on with that particular fight the last couple of years, months, whatever? Or is it more how they match up? What goes into how you break this down? Yeah, like I said earlier, to me, it all lies with how is this fight? Like, how can I project this fight to play out? Like, if someone is a grapple-heavy fighter and wants to get this to the mat, how does their opponent handle takedowns? Can they grapple with someone? Because each fight is its own thing. So, again, I'm not scared from taking a plus 200, plus 300 underdog if that person has a path to victory that, to me, makes them only a slight underdog, like closer to plus 150, in my opinion. So... For example, I'm not going out on a limb and saying Sean O'Malley is going to lose, but I don't think he should be minus 1,000 against this guy, Chris Matino, who's stepping in on short notice. Because Matino could get this fight to the ground and surprise Sean O'Malley. And at plus 600, I'm always interested in taking an underdog like that if I see a path to victory, which Chris Matino could pull the upset. Is it worth a, you know, bet the house on it? No. But I do see a path that makes him. He's probably closer to plus 300, plus 400. If you're writing up college football futures in the first week of July, you're sick, but you're also a grinder and you're a total degen. That's uh, what Reed Wallach did earlier this week. Uh, Reed, Big Ten win totals. You wrote about it on betql.co. Teach us, uh, teach us how to fish. What what was your process here? Because I, I know a lot of people, when you step away from college football, so much changes in the offseason, coaching, transfers, all that stuff. Uh, help us out with your process and how much research went into this. Yeah, of course. I mean, hey, this is what I get paid to do now. So I, you know, I have no problem diving in. I love college football. I'm always happy to get a head start on this stuff. And I'm going conference by conference trying to pick out some win totals that jump out to me. And in the Big Ten, you have, obviously, it's dominated by Ohio State, but you have a bunch of teams looking to get back to the top with down years for Penn State, down years for Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota. All these teams really struggled with COVID protocols last year. So I'm trying to see who's got a lot of returning production, who has pieces in place, and who kind of has confidence moving forward. And that brings me to the over I took in Minnesota at seven. I look at their schedule. I see seven wins on their schedule. I, I see seven. They open against Ohio State at home. I doubt they're going to get an upset there. But down the stretch of the season, they get someone like Iowa, Indiana, Wisconsin at home. Can they pull an upset there and get over that eight-win mark? They have a ton of returning project, production with quarterback Tanner Morgan and running back Muhammad Ibrahim. So this is a Minnesota team that I think is going to bounce back after a COVID-riddled season. And then going the other way, Michigan's win total is higher than Minnesota, but are we confident Jim Harbaugh has this team on the right track? I guess they have a new defensive coordinator, but where's the quarterback play going to be at? Is this wide receiver room outside of senior Ronnie Bell is really, really unproven. So Michigan at under seven and a half wins at plus money. I still see a slip up on the way for the Wolverines this season, and I'll happily take the under there. All right, Minnesota over seven wins, and then Michigan over 
under seven and a half. Reed Wallach, BetQL.co. Thanks, Reed. Best of luck uh, with your bets tonight, all right? All right, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. It's uh, Joe G. I mean, just Michigan. It, it's such a sad state of affairs right now. I, I, I was still shocked. Like a month ago, I started looking at college football futures and to see the Michigan Wolverines in the 80 to 100 to 1 range. God, I, I, I can't believe they still haven't made a move, even though he's their favorite son. It's like they've become just a blah program now. Like they're Michigan yeah. name, but when you're eighty to one, you're off the map. Like n- no one cares about Michigan, it, it, and that's what's supposed to. You bring Jim Harbaugh back to Jim Harbaugh back to get people to care about Michigan. Didn't work. They care more about Michigan basketball right now, and they should. They're actually on the map. They're actually title contenders. It's Joe O and Joe G on BetQL Daily coming up next. We're gonna line them up, get you set for the day in Major League Baseball. That is next, so keep it locked on BetQL Daily from BetQL.